I love it when I talk to a founder that's teachable, they're coachable, and they're like, Eric, I don't know what I don't know. And that scares the daylights out of me. And I'm like, this is somebody that you can really take and coach and help them change a few things and it will make them way more money. Their brand will be worth way more and their franchisees will likely be more successful because they're able to provide better support. That's one of the things I see a lot is some of these brands are so proud that they don't have many fees. They don't have many franchise fees or other fees and they're so proud of that. And yet they're not able to offer support. Welcome to the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. My name is Dan Claps, founder and CEO of Franchise Playbook, a franchisor platform where we create, own, and operate dynamic franchise brands in the mobile services space. And my life's goal is to help people just like you fire their boss and become a business owner. And I'm Christian Dadalak, top franchise consultant and co-founder of Real Franchising, a leading franchise consulting firm. And together, we're on a mission to help people fire their boss, hire themselves, and live the American dream through franchise ownership. Hello, and good afternoon or morning, whatever time you're tuning in here to another episode of the I Fired My Boss podcast. I am excited to have a real boss in franchising on the podcast, the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Van Horn. Uh, you know, what's so cool about franchising is Eric's someone that I started listening to his content years and years ago. And he was this, this thought leader who's now become a friend. We text regularly, we become good buddies. And I'm just so fortunate, same with Christian, that we get to, to talk and interact and, and trade ideas. You know, as I've grown in franchising, my circle is, is, well, I've got a big circle in franchising, but my, my intimate circle is much smaller now. And I interact with a few people at a certain level. And Eric's one of them. So I'm glad that. He's, he's joined us today. Um, before we introduce him, just want to do, you know, this podcast is brought to you by Silicon Signs, fantastic sign company. You heard us talk about it. Christian Offson talks about them. They do a great job based out of Salt Lake. They do great signs. They work with companies like Crumble and Cookie, uh, Crumble and Dirty Dough and actually one of your brands uh, uh, that you work with, Eric. Um, a lot of great brands. I love the founder, young guy. He's entrepreneurial. He does a great job. They're super dedicated to, to service. And, um, you know, so Silicon Signs, definitely check them out. Anyway, first of all, I'll introduce Christian. How you doing? Doing awesome, man. And uh, yeah, new week, new Monday. And uh, yeah, I got some cool stuff coming up. And happy to have Eric on, man. It's not always uh, every day that we bring on a guest a second time, but Eric is definitely of the super high caliber to do that. So excited to talk to you, man. How you doing, Eric? Guys, it's fun to be here with you. I I always find the introduction of the host, I mean, of the person and like talking to Christian, it's like, you never know where to start. It's like a comedian starting on stage. Like, what joke do you start with? But, um, well, Eric, you know our show. We like to just kind of, you know, obviously you're a partner at Front Street Equity Partners. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Front Street is a, a pure play strategic investment firm. Eric's going to explain it better than me. But I've been fortunate with Voda to have a friendship with Front Street. We talk often. We share ideas. Eric's been a, a great mentor to me. Jeff Hur's been a great mentor to me, one of the partners there. And, um, you know, we just, we, we, we bounce ideas back and forth all the time. But Eric, would you go ahead and maybe just tell our audience a bit about you and, and Front Street? Yeah, I've been... Um, first of all, thanks, guys. Like, I remember, you know, meeting both of you for the first time and and Dan way back at uh, in 
in a Park City and just became friends. And now like I get to call you guys friends and you guys are both doing such cool things in franchising. And we lean on each other at different times. Like Christian, you've introduced me to some amazing people. And Dan, I hit you up the other day. I'm like, dude, I need some help with this one thing. And I know that you're so good at it. And you're like, let's hop on a call, even though you're so busy building you know, the Voda brand, which is awesome. So uh, yeah, my background, man, I've been in franchising for 20 plus years, franchise development, franchisee, franchisor, uh, broker side. So I've kind of done a little bit of everything. Um, right now, uh, me and three other guys are building Front Street Equity Partners. We have a couple brands within that company. Um, simply what Front Street is, is we help franchisors build enterprise value in a compressed time frame. So franchisors, they're in it. They got a really cool thing that they want to do. They know a certain industry, and um, but they don't know franchising. And they and, or or they've been uh, had these lofty dreams where they thought they would have a hundred franchisees by now, and they just don't. And so they realize they need strategic advisory. They need help with franchise development. They need resources. They need help finding great talent. And that's what Front Street does. We do strategic um, advisory. We do outsource FSO to our brands. And we have a private equity component to it as well. And we have a recruiting uh, top talent uh, agency that's associated with it as well. So in a nutshell, that's what Front Street Equity is. I love it, man. How, how did you... How did you position and, and pivot into into working with Front Street? I mean, what was the why behind getting, you know, being a becoming a partner? So um, Jeff and Jim, uh, they had uh, they'd been, been franchisees and they kind of helped develop the FSO, like the original FSO, and then they ended up selling that company along with a bunch of other companies they built um, in the meantime. They had had some time off. I had some time off after I exited a franchise or that I was helping build. And we were just talking and we're like, what do we want to do next? And do we want to do something together next? And we, uh, we started just, you know, having conversations. And then we, we decided what we wanted to do and, and we're really clear on what we did not want to do. And that was, I remember having very clear conversations. They're like, Eric, do you want to be selling franchises again? Do you want to do that? And I'm like, I thought about it. I was like, I don't think so. And then the next call, I'm like, Jeff, there's no way I want to be like in the trenches selling franchises again. He's like, good. I don't either. And so we knew that we needed to bring on a fourth partner because it was the three of us at that time. And we needed a fourth partner. And we looked at the landscape out there and like, if we could get anybody, who would we want to target? And, um, and there was a number of names out there but uh, Bobby Brennan was uh, was one of those names, and uh, he ended up becoming our fourth partner. And he had a great run, uh, learned a lot through Franchise Fastlane, and um, which is an amazing FSO. Um, and so he uh, he came from Franchise Fastlane, and he became a, a a full partner with us over at Front Street. So now there's uh, four of us: Jim Jaggers, Jeff Herr, Bobby Brennan, and myself. Um, but yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to do what we really enjoy and that's building brands, helping them, um, build that enterprise value, you know, selling franchisees, helping those franchisees get open, be successful. And then all the way through to exit, because a lot of people have the ability to, to get with an FSO and build a really large franchise organization from a franchisee base, but they don't have the experience of building it the right way strategically to have 
a lot of value in that brand so they can have a high multiple when they eventually sell to the next uh, group that is going to be able to take that franchise brand to the next level. There is no way, I don't want to say there's no way, but it is so hard to possibly build a franchise from the ground up the right way if you haven't done it before. There's no way. Like, just to give you an example, for me, I'm just a collection of people that all did it before. And I just happened to get to, to call myself the CEO. But it's the people behind it that have been in franchise and like Zach, who came to us with all the years and years of lessons and mistakes and conferences and information. And obviously, I had that as well. But if you're getting into a brand and you don't have... And you've been the hometown here, you're killing it and whatever you're doing, your business, and now you want to franchise, that's a whole nother business. And it's like, you're going to take years to learn these lessons. And so what these guys do, Christian, it's 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 really cool. Like, j- just to give you an example, like, People don't know this, but like I flew out and we just have a great friendship. I flew out and met with Jeff, spent a day together in their offices. And I probably learned more in that day than I learned in like a year. It was crazy. I left like with I, just value. And I, I always say like, if that's the value I got from just hanging out, imagine if you're a portfolio brand, like what they would do. And they've been out to, to, to us. And it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing how much what I can say I noticed is you guys get in the trenches. You said not get in the trenches, but you actually do. You get really deep. We are not selling. Bobby's the one that's in the trenches on selling franchises. We did not want to do that. We're getting into the trenches in different ways when it comes to FDD structure and, and, and there's a lot of value creation that happens within FDD. The FDD is a sales tool. The FDD is a protection tool for franchisees, franchisors. There's a lot that goes in the FDD. Jeff spends a ton of time in the trenches dealing with the attorneys and the founders to craft that perfect FDD. Um, and you know, and I do it in a, in a different way. So we're in the trenches, but we're in the trenches on the things that we like, we love to do. It doesn't feel like work. And, um, and so you're absolutely right. Like there's one of the things that we like, we love doing this. So it's, like I said, it's not like work and we love to give value. And it's when we start talking, we talk to new brands every every week, every day. It seems like I'm talking to a new brand that's thinking about working with us and they or they're thinking about going the FSO route or something. They want to grow. They just don't know what they don't know. And I can confidently tell them, let's get to know each other. And I guarantee you're going to learn a lot just in these conversations that we have. And because that's like when you're selling things, you need to give a lot of value. So we probably give too much value away in the process. And, but at the end of the day, that's okay because we lead with that. We want, we want the franchisors, the brands, the young brands, the young founders, the new founders that have conversations with us to leave like, holy cow, I've just, you know, I, I just saved a million dollars by, you know, by implementing this thing or that. And it's not just saying, Hey, you should raise your franchise fee or you should do this. It's like, Hey, this is why you should raise your franchise fee. Just your franchise fee shouldn't be $10,000 because you're going to attract the wrong type of candidate for a $500,000 investment. Like that's not the best thing for your brand. You can, you're, you're doing the wrong thing here. Or they don't want to put in an item 19 for various different reasons. They're getting bad advice or wrong advice and they don't think they have the things to be able to put in there. And a, one conversation with us, we're like, well, you could do this, you could do that. You might want to structure it this way, but it gives your candidates, the people that are looking at your brand, the opportunity to look at some KPIs or to have insight into the financials in a way that they wouldn't without an item 19. And so there's just a lot of different ways. And 
people, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that are really not helpful. They're selling way too much and they're selling stuff that is, that is not very valuable to some of these young, uh, young brands. And so that's why we just want to lead with value in everything that we do. 100%. I, I think that's, that's important to lead with value because ultimately at the end of the day, whether or not you work with them or not, you, you build up a good relationship with them. And I just think that's the way to, the right way to live life in both business and outside of it. So I commend you guys for that. Um, for those that might say, I mean, it seems like you guys do so much more than what the typical FSO would. Um, but could you elaborate a little bit more on some of the additional services you guys offer? Like you guys obviously help with development a little bit through Bobby. Yeah, and you help with FDE construction. What are some of the other ways that you guys add value? So I, we want full alignment with the brand. So if a, a typical FSO, an, an FSO only company would go to a brand and they would have maybe some equity or some phantom equity or, um, and then a fee structure retainer. We don't have retainers. We might in the future, but right now there's, there's no retainers. And, um, and there are fee structures very similar to an FSO. So there's a fee structure to it, to an FSO. And that is, um, our, our, one of the legs of our company is think of it as a pure FSO. But we're not going to be an FSO just for any brand. We're going to do that for brands that we have alignment with. And so um, we have strategic advisory. And really with strategic advisory, that's where we are on calls with the founders every week. We're talking to them multiple times a week. They're, we are not controlling that brand, but we are giving a lot of advice to that brand. Think of us as a board of advisors where we are advising, directing, giving, um, making introductions, um, getting in the trenches of like, hey, this is why you probably want to make this type of decision. And you might want to talk to this other, this other person to give you some insight over here. We bring, uh, we have a CMO, a fractional CMO that we brought into both brands. Um, because a lot of young brands, they don't need to, they don't need to have a $300,000 CMO on, on, on staff and a $300,000 COO and COO. They're, it's just too heavy for them. So having the right, fractional C-level um, talent at the right time is great. And then below that, we want directors in, in roles as well. Um, so we just know what needs to be done. Another thing is one of the, the simple things that all brands should have is a really rock solid learning management system. And so, uh, you know, an example of kind of being in the trenches, we have somebody on our team at Front Street that takes that franchise or extracts all that information with them and helps them put all of that into an LMS. So like we're, we are working side by side with them, with marketing. We know what needs to be done. We know that these brands, they need, if you're going to the broker networks and you guys know broker networks better than just about anybody. If you're going into the broker world where you're working with the consultants, you're getting leads from consultants. Consultants want to know that that brand can support the franchisees that are coming in, especially if it's a newer brand. And so that's why it's important to have the right training, the right talent um, um, for that brand to be able to support franchisees when they, when they get in. And so we're going to have calls with like, I'm on the phone with the CMO. It's one of the things that I do is I'm, you know, involved with the marketing component of it. And I'm on the phone with the fractional CMO to make sure that we have the right um, marketing that's being done for grand opening to get leads to come in, to open up the right way, to have that strong grand opening and then so on and so forth. So, you know, it is, it's like, they couldn't pay us for that. They couldn't pay Bobby, myself, uh, Jeff or Jim, like, 
it'd be millions of dollars that they would have to pay each of us to be able to do that. And they don't have the money for that. And yet we are aligned because we have a backend structure where, where we're going to participate in a nice exit with them. So, uh, so that's what I mean by alignment. There's just, those are just some examples of how we get involved. I'd be, I would think it's probably similar to what you're doing, Dan, like day to day of what you're doing, um, from an advisory standpoint, not the work that you're doing, but the advisory stuff that you're doing or the advisory stuff that Zach is doing or your marketing. You have a great marketing guy on your team, the advisory stuff that he's doing. I tell people that when they're getting into our brand or with Vote, I say, you have a CMO, a COO. A VP of operations, myself, and a whole other team of people that like would be million, you know, million dollars a year plus salaries, big salaries, multi hundred thousand dollar salaries, and you get them just a phone call away, and you can use them for free. Well, you get a royalty. That's that's the the trade off, right? And you're paying it on dollars that are coming in, and you're getting it for free in the beginning, and it's amazing. Um, you know, I think about when as a franchisor. You know, what I've learned is every little nuance in your FDD and in your franchise agreement and your overall structure. And thank God we had the right advice to do things the right way because every little thing matters as people get further through the process. I'll give you a fun example I'll, I'll, I'll bring out there uh, and just open and honest. You know, our business is cleaning and restoration. We're the only franchise to do that, cleaning and restoration. Cleaning, meaning floor, carpet, tile and grout, upholstery, and air ducts. So I learned pretty quickly that when I teach people about Voda and I go through the FTD, that I need to be very upfront and explain we do floor, carpet, tile and grout, air ducts, and upholstery. The reason why is for whatever reason, we put in our item 19, carpet cleaning, just carpet cleaning. And it's not how the revenue is at all. It's a little bit of a, you know, misca- and so that I don't want someone to say to me, we only do carpets and there's, you know, no carpets. No, it's not true. We do tile and ground and floor and all those things I just said. And so it's funny because that's an example of like now in the future and next year, I'll fix it. And, you know, it's not a big deal as I just told you how we work through it. But like those little things, how could you tell me that unless I had the experience? And so I'm able to advise, yes, after experience, but you guys have years and years and years of experience. I mean, Christian, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to talk for Eric, but like these guys built. You know, like Jeff built, you know, a tremendous business and, you know, it's, it's gone on to continue to grow. And Eric's built big business. He was, I think, probably a big part of growing those brands. And, and Jim, Jim is more behind the scenes, but he's super operational experienced. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like there's nothing better than, than experience when you're, when you're being franchised. If you'd like our help investing in a franchise at no cost to you, head over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a free consultation. You know, I think it's smart for just any brand to get with people like Front Street or, um, you know, Fastlane or, you know, some of these, some of these groups that, um, that know what they're talking about because they've, they've been around the block before. And there's just so many... Thing that young brands don't, they, I love it when I talk to a founder that's teachable, they're coachable, and they're like, Eric, I don't know what I don't know. And that scares the daylights out of me. And I'm like, this is somebody that you can really take and coach and help them change a few things and it will make them way more money. Their brand will be worth way more 
and their franchisees will likely be more successful because they're able to provide better support. That's one of the things I see a lot is some of these brands are so proud that they don't have many fees. They don't have many franchise fees or other fees. And they're so proud of that. And yet they're not able to offer support. Like how, how are you giving support? How are you doing this? Well, we don't have the money for this. Well, why not? Well, we're wanting to put the, the money back in the franchisee's pocket. I'm like, well, why don't you look at it like anything that the, franchi- that the franchisees paying you, they should get a return on that dollar that they're giving you. And that's an aha moment for a lot of young brands. They're like, well, I never thought about it that way. I could probably get more franchisees if I had a bigger budget by having higher franchise fees to attract more franchisees. And the more franchisees I have, the more that this franchisor is worth and I can pay more people. And also, franchisees don't think that they want neighbors around them, but they really should want neighbors around them. Like, you know, for Voda, they should have... You want a lot of franchisees in a large market or in a state because the brand name gets bigger and that's better for everybody. And I didn't understand that at first. When I first started out, you know, with Liberty Tax, I'm like, oh no, there's more people starting with me in Kansas City when I first opened up. And oh my gosh, they're starting down the road. But then I started to realize as we opened up that first tax season, like, oh, I have customers coming in my store because they're they saw that same Statue of Liberty out there waving in Blue Springs and Grandview. And, you know, you name the you name the city that's around me. I'm like, oh, that's the value of having more franchisees. So you got to charge the fees to be able, and then you have to have the mindset of giving those franchisees a return on their investment, every dollar that they that they put into the brand to be able to make it more valuable for them. So um, a lot of brands they don't think like that early on. Totally. I mean, it it seems super intuitive. But once you have the experience, right? I, I think for many people early on, it doesn't. You know, they they want to make sure that they feel like they're maybe doing right by the franchisees by not charging them large franchise franchise fees in the beginning. But really, on the back end, you're you're shortchanging them. Yeah. And so it's important to think about it like that. And I love it that they are like that because you and I, uh, two of you, have seen brands that just get money hungry, right. and all they want is more fees, more fees, build enterprise value, and at the expense of franchisees. So it's so refreshing to see founders that care about franchisees. They they're making mistakes that they don't realize they're making, but it's coming from the right heart. Mm. And we love it when we're talking to the founders like that. We're like, you've got what it takes, and let's let's help let's raise those fees so you can help more franchisees, and um and it's a win win for everybody. So I love the heart behind it. Oh, I think it's a mindset thing too, right? Like I always say, like I see franchisees as customers or clients, and a lot of brands or PE think of them as a product to extrapolate a return from and get a quarterly return for their investors. Because if you have to realize, I'm not putting down, I love private equity, just but like using this as an example of a metric, you know, uh, when you're realizing when you're dealing with someone investing money, investing capital, they're not investing their money, they're investing someone else's money. And their fiduciary responsibility is to the person who invested, not the person, the entity that invested the money. And so whatever you can do to get a return back to them, that's that's good. I'm not saying everyone does that, but a lot of people, they're thinking about the quarterly and the yearly you know, performance and they're not thinking about what's the longer term horizon. I love like Jeff Bezos says that like he makes decisions on what's going to make the company profitable 10 years out, not quarterly. And if the shareholders don't like it, wait it out or leave. Like it, and that's kind of, I don't think he says it like that, but that's kind of the mindset 
Um, and you know, so like I, I agree, like not to make it about voting, but like we we tell people like, look, any fee that we put in here, first of all, it's a pass-through. It's not like we're taking that and, you know, just putting it in the bank. It's if we're doing your bookkeeping and there's a cost for that, well, we're charging that because we know we're gonna do it better than you're doing it and it's gonna be cheaper. And because of economy of scale, that's why these fees are here. Any fee we have is there to grow your business or make it more profitable in the long run. And it's short-sighted to look at a fee as, as a difference. I also look at franchise fees. You mentioned franchise fees. Dollar for dollar, if your franchise fee is $20,000 more than someone else's, I would rather spend the $20,000 and get what you get on the multiplier of that amount of money to go to a all you get out of it versus save 20 grand one time. It's like, it's like counting you know, pennies instead of dollars. Like The franchise fee is the first amount of money that a franchisor gets to be able to set you up because they're working without any royalties for you for a period of time. And I, I know for us, we put an equivalent amount of money back into them before we're seeing royalties. And it's not like it's some giant profit center. And so I think that people need to realize that like what's changed in franchising, and I, this is my opinion, but why royalties, of, or excuse me, my franchise fees are maybe different than they were 10 years ago. I'm not really sure. I think they are a bit different. But that's because the model has changed. Investors now that want to buy into a franchise, many are coming from real estate and they're realizing that franchising is a great opportunity. And they want to put their money into something and they want to be involved, but they do need a little bit more. They don't want to buy a job. And so the expectation is, what are you going to do to help me with lead gen? What are you going to do to help me with my bookkeeping, with my finance, with my training, with my call center? And so to do that, there's more cost involved. Um, and so I, I would always say, like, I never want to go with the most expensive of anything or the cheapest, like in the middle. But yeah, $10,000 franchise fee, it's, it, it would never, it's unsustainable. Yep. It's, there, there's a lot of, lot of, a lot of things like that, that, you know, these, these founders, they have the best of intentions, but they're just, and you have to grow fast as a franchisor. You, you can't just grow at two franchisees or five franchisees a year. Maybe for the first year or two to kind of learn and get better, but too many are they're you know five years into it, six seven years into it, and they have you know ten or twelve franchisees, and the business just isn't worth that much. Like you were saying, like these franchisors, they don't make a bunch of money off of franchise fees. It may seem like they do, whether they're using a broker, Costco to broker, Costco to if they're doing organic lead gen, paying for Facebook ads and Google ads, it, that stuff's really expensive. So franchisors really are not and then with the accounting rules that you know even on paper they're just not making money on franchisees so the franchise fee from the franchisees perspective that's their investment the franchisor needs to understand it like the franchisor that's a sunk cost they're not really getting they're not that's not really going in in in, in a money making machine for them but for the franchisee they think like this is my investment i just gave them all this money and um and i want to return on that $50,000 or $120,000 of franchise fees. So there's right there, they're kind of at odds. They just, there's, there's two different ways to see it because you're coming at it from two different angles. I think it's important for both to kind of understand the other's perspective on that. And then you just, then that goes into the old, you know, franchisee, franchisor relationship, but it needs to start out the right way. And I think the more realistic that franchisors can be with costs, like real marketing costs, not just like low-balled three months in the FDD marketing cost, but to front load that stuff so it's a bit more realistic. I think that's... I like where the trend is, where I see the trend going in franchising. Franchisors are kind of being more realistic. Um, so you're bringing in franchisees that 
already know I'm going to be spending a good amount on marketing, on grand opening, and there's going to be ongoing expenses with this stuff. So I'd like it when franchisors uh, disclose that and have that in the in the disclosure document. Or in the past, and different brands still do it, but they want to stay under a certain threshold of an investment. And then franchisees get disappointed when it's a lot more than that. And they start, the first thing that franchisees start doing is cutting back on marketing. And marketing is the thing that they shouldn't be cutting back on when they are struggling in their business. But it, like that's the thing that I've seen over and over that things start, things start going a little bit slower, not growing as fast. Let's cut back on marketing because they don't think it's working. And then everything starts going downhill faster. So like we advise our brands, let's have a, let's have a really strong, robust marketing plan. And having marketing vendors that understand that particular brand that can communicate why you have a front-end loaded marketing and, and why you do these different things and why the lead cost is what it is and the acquisition cost of an actual customer and the lifetime value of that customer. So it's important, I think, to talk about all of that you know, uh, during the sales process and then training. And then that way, when they're actually up and going, they're not going to pull back marketing when things might start a little bit slower. And they have that expectation of, I'm going to be putting a lot of money into marketing. And that's just better for everybody. Yeah, I mean, what I'm gathering just from listening to you, Eric, is it's almost like in the same way that we talk about, you know, why buy a franchise? Well, the people, they've already done it. They There's support systems in place. There's great advice and experience behind you. And that's really what it sounds like you guys offer at Front Street, right? Just more towards the franchisors. Yeah. And I know you guys are pretty selective too. You don't, you don't just partner with any brand. You guys have to be in alignment, like you mentioned. So what kind of brands... Do you like to partner with or what's your guys' criteria before you're saying, yeah, I think this might be a good fit to work together? We're not interested in fitness concepts right now. So fitness concepts, we're not interested. Maybe some food concepts, but like we like unique things. Well, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to compete with old Dan over there in Voda 2. Like I would love a Voda 2 brand so we can just go head to head with Dan. But um, because it's such such a great industry, and um, I, so I just love that restoration industry, and I love what what Dan's doing over there with it. But I love things that um, have something unique to it. Maybe technology. Some of our brands have proprietary products, not white labeled, but proprietary. Like they designed them, they built them, they work with chemists, they work with engineers, and they and 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 they have their own products. So there's a moat around it. I like things that are just you know super unique. I don't want when we say, what's unique about your brand? Well, we have a low franchise fee or we have better this or better that. So maybe there's some truth. You know, a lot of brands will, will say something like that. But I love if they have a unique spin, especially around technology. Um, or, you know, there, there's a number of brands that we're talking to right now that it's just an old, tired industry, but they have some stuff that's super um, uh, interesting that none of the other brands um, or competitors will have in that particular space. So we like things like that. We really would like to get into the pet, like the pet world. That's that's an amazing uh, a space to be in right now. We like the service space in general. Like I know why Dan got into that space because it's it's amazing. There's a lot of other um, um, 
uh, companies that you could get into or sectors in the service space that are that are really attractive to us. We're not afraid of brick and mortar. Mortar, two brands that we have now are brick and mortar, but they have like one started out in a salon suite concept. So you can start out, you don't have to go straight into brick and mortar. You can start out in a salon suite concept and then, and then you know, kind of then go into a brick and mortar, more expensive space. So we then... We love awesome founders. Like we are going to be working side by side with these founders. So just like you would want your like some of your key employees, you know, you want to be able to go out to dinner with them. You want to be able to hang out with them. Like that's what we want with our founders. We'd love to be able to, you know, go to go to dinner with them and just have a blast. And we've done that with our the the two groups that we have now, the two founders of the two brands. Like we love these ladies. They're awesome. And uh, we want more awesome founders like that. So the founders play a big role. So we're looking for amazing horses and amazing jockeys, which is a needle in a haystack. So we are not interested in just, you know, just growing to this massive, massive company with a, with a million different brands because um, we get so active in each of these brands. Um, we can't take on a ton of them. And that's one of the reasons we're, we're very selective. Um, so yeah, there's a home services to brick and mortar, uh, just no fitness. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Kristen. What I've learned is there's probably like 15 people in franchising that really understand this very unique formula that makes a brand work or not. And you need every single criteria. If you're missing one, it won't work. And you know, like it's, it's, it's all the same. Like everyone has the same needs in their business. Like I think about, I tell people when they're looking at a Voda, they want to know how they're going to get customers, how we're going to help, how they're going to get employees, how we're going to help to service those customers. How are we gonna? There's already restoration in my market. How does this business stand out to the consumer compared to the other ones? What's the investment? What's the return? And what's the day in the life? And does that day in the life fit what I'm looking for? And it's like you can almost boil everything down into those kind of five or four or five areas, and then everything else kind of falls into place. But and then if you want home services, there's this. When you want well health and wellness, which makes sense to me, plenty of brands that are great in what you're doing. If you want. I don't particularly want to be in fitness, but I, you know, like you said, but well, this was awesome. Thanks for joining us, Eric. This was a, a great episode and let's, let's do it again soon. I like the sounds of that, guys. I mean, you said you weren't going to make it about Voda, but you got this big old Voda logo that's like, you know, probably 10 times the size that it should be. But you got Christian wearing the 10X hat. So <laughs> I get why, why you're just like big, big promoter. No, no, Guys, no. it's so fun hanging out with you. I, I, I love what you guys are doing. And it's going to be so fun to look back in 10 years and to see what we've all built and where, where we are. So appreciate you both. Amen. Back at you, Eric. Thanks so much for coming on, man. See you guys. You're f***ing fired. If you want to say those words to your boss, make sure you head on over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a no-cost consultation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend who might also want to fire their boss. 